0: Thank you for having me again. It's always a blessing to be here, share God's word with you. Um, Mark, next time just invite me to... paintball. I'm wondering why Josh is so sore, but you're not. Are, are people allowed to shoot you? <laughs> because I'd like to get in on that. <laughs> Yeah, have me out whenever you guys do that again. (laughs) I just won't preach the next day. We'll have another guest speaker. I'll just be here. Um, It's Thanksgiving week. I'm uh, really thankful to be preaching uh, this week uh, for for you guys. It's that part of the year where uh, we think about giving back, looking at what we have, what we've received, and giving back to those uh, larger communities of belonging that. that we care about, whether it's our neighbors or our church, family, friends, uh, so on. But thankfulness runs thin, and giving is um, absent when anxiety floods our heart. Anxiety is uh, something that indicates to us, as Jesus says here, that our relationship with God has it, it, it's been derailed. We've spent too much time away from our Father. I'd like to read this passage for you. Um, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will bring, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Please join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering here this morning on this fine day to receive your word and to know our hope in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would take us by your hand and lead us into your restful service. That it would be our relationship with you, your relationship with us, that weans our hearts from anxiety and draws us into your thankful service. Right then we pray. Amen. Every year our, uh, our family, my side of the family gets together and it's a long, it's a wide extended family a lot of people. To give you a sense of scale, there's 16 of us cousins. So grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and now babies, and it's a circus. It's a circuit. At the center of the the circus that is our cousins, I'm usually placed there to take care of them. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor and they think I'll, I'll keep them calm, but usually I, I rile them up a little bit too. As far as I can remember, it, it's always been part of their expectation of me, for me to be the designated caregiver. Oh, we need someone to watch the kids. Come, David, and watch the kids. Oh, my, my, my son is going crazy in school right now. Can you go and talk to him? A few years ago, well, actually more than a few years ago, my youngest cousin, who is now in high school, so the dy- dynamic has changed, uh, she, she needed to go to school, and my aunt called me and said, Dave, can you can you go and take her to school? Can you walk her to school? And I said, sure, I will. Um, I showed up. She comes out of the house, and we start walking. And, of course, she's she's excited to walk to school, so she starts running, uh, skipping, and all of that, right up to the curb, right before we cross the road, and she stops. Turns around, she waits for me to arrive. And just before we get going across the street, uh, she takes me by the hand and we walk together. And in that moment, when she took me by the hand before we crossed that road together, that was trust. That was trust. When she took me by the hand, right before crossing the road, she demonstrated trust in, in four ways. There are four components to this. One, she's saying, you are near your present tending to my well-being literally taking me by the hand as we as we go forward she's also saying that I, I i trust that you are sufficiently capable to pull me out of harm's way should it come not just that you're near but that you're also capable of protecting me the third component is you know what's best. Uh, until until that day, her mom would drive her to school. And so, you know, kids, they don't pay attention to where they're going. Just, you know, stay on their phones or look at, you know, look at whatever else is going on, but they don't pay attention to the roads. So how does she know that I'm taking her in the right way, in the right direction? How does she know that we have to cross this intersection? That it's not the other way. Most things in life are scarier than just simply crossing a local road. And oftentimes we, we find ourselves saying to our God and Father, Lord, I don't want to go that way. Why do we have to go that way? That looks that looks hard. Let's find another way. Or let's turn around and go back. Let's not go at all. Why do we have to go anywhere? There's that component of trusting our Father's wisdom that we we go with Him. Not just His presence, not just His power, but also His wisdom. But all of that still requires one more thing. Love. You have to know that that person has your best interest in mind. They're concerned for you. Children, like all people, will not follow leadership that does not care for them. Not concerned with them, them. We see all of those components here in this passage. We see a father who is is powerfully able, capable of taking care of all things in life, not just your life, but the life around you, the world around you. He feeds even the little birds. He clothes the grass in the field the flowers, wildflowers takes care of the little things and the big things. He is powerfully capable. But He's also present. Do you you hear that? Do you see that? When when Jesus says, He knows your every need. That's someone who is with you. That's not someone who you have to announce your needs to. He knows already because He's with you. He's present. In your life. And in His wisdom, He leads you to seek first the kingdom. Setting your eyes where you need to go. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus tells you, He is not my Heavenly Father, which would be true. Your Heavenly Father. Which is also true. He's not Pastor Mark's Heavenly Father only. Pastor David's Heavenly Father only. He's your Heavenly Father. These four components... Make up what it means for us to trust God. What it means to trust God, and they're all vital components of of trusting God. What I mean is that you can't take one, and, and you can't take three and not the other. You need to take all four together. You can't have you can't have power but not presence and still trust the Lord. Let me give you an example. There are two different instances in, in Matthew's Gospel where the disciples were on the boat at sea, the waves are tossing to and fro, and they were scared. Two different instances. In the first, in the first, uh, the first time that happens, Jesus is in the boat with them. And so they wake him up and say, Jesus, this boat is gonna fall apart on us, you have to do something, and he gets up and he, he speaks his word, and the, the waves, the wind, everything dies down, and disciples are like, wow. Who is this guy with such power and authority that he speaks and creation listens to him? The second time, however, Jesus is not in the boat. He's not in the boat. The second time the disciples are tossed in the boat on the water, Jesus is not there on the boat, and they panic again. They panic again, not because they doubt Jesus' power. What are they doubting? They're doubting whether Jesus knows that they're in peril. Whether He's present and able to help. We need both. You can have a God who takes care of the birds and the, and, and, and the field, and it doesn't matter to us if He doesn't actually know we need help. We need both. We can't build trust on presence only either. We need ability, power, the power of God. One, I, I deeply respect first responder, seasoned, good first responder. Cause you know, they, they walk into the room and, it's, and with that first gesture, two things happen. Immediately the person in need feels that they're not alone. Right? They feel they're not alone. They, they have someone who, 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 who's with them saying, I'm with you, I understand, I'm empathizing with you. But at the same time, they're not panicking like the person in need. They have a sense of control about them so that that person can take comfort. You need both. You need someone who's saying, I'm with you, but at the same time, I'm here to help and I can help. Don't be angry. Don't panic. We have that with our Father. Even while He, He he speaks to us in a language we understand, even though He he lowers Himself for us to have a relationship with Him, He still remains the Great I Am, the Almighty. It's in that unshakable strength of His presence that we take breath. And these two things again would still not be enough for trust if we didn't have wisdom. If we didn't trust in God's wisdom. I think of the Israelites they're coming out of Egypt. They saw the presence of God daily. Right? Pillar of cloud or pillar of fire, but pillar of something at all times. The presence of God was visibly displayed to them at all times. They saw the power of God. They saw the power of God part the sea and they walked through it. They saw the power of God as he delivered them out of Egypt, which we were just talking about earlier. They saw the power and presence of God and, and what did they do? They still doubted, right? They still said, uh, maybe it's better for us to go back to slavery. How crazy is that? That we get to an intersection like that, we go, wait, you know what? I know you're with me. I know you're capable. I don't want to go. I don't trust you. Can we go to the green pasture that doesn't go through the valley? Is there? Is there one? Let's go there. Because we do that. We grumble and complain, and Israel did that. Why? Because that third component was missing. Trusting God's wisdom. And then there's love. What does it mean to trust God? It means to trust in His presence, power, uh, wisdom, and love. We need the love. Leaders in our lives are not followed if they just have the first three. If... If you have presence without love, it feels overbearing. That's your employer standing behind your back the entire day. That doesn't feel nice. That's presence, mm, not the welcome kind. Capability without love can be manipulative. They're capable of leading you without caring for you. And understanding without love is altogether scary. Don't know what they're thinking, whether it's good for you or not. Love colors all other components, and and so it is with this passage as well. The love of God is the fourth most important component of trusting God. Jesus says here, your heavenly Father. And, and when we read your Heavenly Father, it's meant to indicate to us that we have a special relationship with God our Father. He's not God out there, God who doesn't know me. He's my God, my Father. My God, my Father. That's who He is. And so Paul will write in his letters... To, to the Romans and to the Galatians that God has given to us His Holy Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. Because in our union with Christ by faith, when you put your faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done for you, you're united to Him and become sons and daughters with Him, your Heavenly Father. And that adoption that relationship with God as your Father is an unbreakable one. His love for you doesn't grow old or diminish or change. Always steadfast and true, unfailing. And how do we know that? How do we know that? Not just because the Gospel says so, but because the Gospel reasons with us so. You know, we think that maybe if we don't pull our weight, that our Father will have less pleasure in being our Father. That because of what we've done or left undone, His, His, His desire and love for us will somehow be mitigated. But the Gospel tells us that when we were in our at our lowest, with nothing to show God except the things we want to hide. That's when he loved us. That's when he determined that he would save us. That's when it was his good pleasure to claim us as his children. When we were without anything to show except the things we want to hide. That's when your Heavenly Father loved us. You will never reject. And you can know this for certain because that's what Jesus came to accomplish. When He went to the cross, all of this shame, all of the rejection, everything that you would point to in your life, say, this is why I'm not good enough, that went to the cross and He nailed it there. It's gone. It's done. Even if you would beg God, give me back my shame, give me back my rejection, you would have nothing. He would give you nothing because nothing's there. The shame is gone. The rejection is gone. Christ endured it for you, for me, for us. And all that He did as the Good Son is counted towards you. So that you look to Jesus and say, this is why I have my Heavenly Father. And if His work is done, and my relationship with Him is secure. We don't go to God based on what we bring or what we've done. We go to God because of what Jesus Christ has done. What God, our Father, sent Him to do to have us as His people, as His children. That's why we have our Father. And so we can go through the highs and lows of life but never doubt and fear that He cares. Jesus, work his family. The Father. Forever. He will, we will never be cast off. We will never lose our place in his house. He is pleased to be your Father permanent. So he has claimed you to be his children permanently. Amen. Father. We learn to trust God. What does it look like to trust God, our Father? Looks like a process. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a not an arrival and a dwelling. It's a walk and a growth. There's a long process between first hearing about God and coming to trust in God. And then from that point, there's still a long process of learning what that looks like all throughout our lives. You can be a Christian for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and still learn how to trust God. The process of, of sitting with Him and opening your heart to Him and saying, God, I'm I'm so upset. I'm so distraught. I'm so confused. I'm so angry. What do I do with this, Father? Why is this happening? We learn. Keep learning. Psalm 131 gives us this picture of a, a child that is weaned, on the lap of his or her mother. And he gives us this picture of our hearts being weaned from things that are beyond our control. Weaned from anxiety. We sit on the lap of our God. We feel His presence and comfort, His strength, His love. We wean our hearts slowly from that. Right. The There will be days where we feel like, you know, God, you just where are you? And we pray to ourselves, Lord, I know that even though I don't feel you here, this is true. That your son felt those nails, those thorns, that cross, because you love me. So I will stand defiant to these doubts and stand firm on this commitment to the gospel that you are there for me. And when those prayers are insufficient, we go to our our community, our small group, our pastor, our our, our elder, our brothers and sisters in the church. We ask for their prayers, their word, into our heart. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about um, our doubts and our discouragement. This Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. And here it is. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother is sure. I love that. What does it look like to trust in God the Father? Well, if you're praying for that peace, that trust, and it's not coming, then you fight for it by going to your brothers in the church and say, look, I'm struggling with this doubt. I have this uncertainty. I just feel like God is not there for me right now. And they sit with you, they pray with you, and they speak the gospel to you. Because the gospel in their word is stronger than the Christ in their heart. That's what it looks like, trusting God. It's a process. It's a struggle. It takes time. It's a process, it's a struggle, and it takes time, even as we learn to seek the kingdom. Because that's also how we display a life of trust in God. We step further out of our reach. We step further out of our control as we look to God and say, okay, Father, a lot of things are uncertain in my life right now. I wish I had more security. I wish I had more, uh, more prospects. But here I am, Lord. Where are you calling me to go? Who are you calling me to serve? How do I seek first the kingdom if I trust that you're there with me, holding me up and guiding me? Because anxiety makes us cling on to the things that gives us a sense of security. Our hands are occupied. Our hearts are occupied. But when we trust our Father, when we learn to trust our Father, it frees up our hands, frees up our hearts, to seek first the kingdom. Look at our neighbor. Look at our church. Look at our family and friends and say, Lord, how do I serve here? Use me here. Now, why does it matter that we trust God in order to serve? Why can't we just serve? Well, the most obvious thing would be, as it says in Hebrews, you cannot serve God and please God unless you believe in God. You must believe that he's your father to live for your father. But also because our serving our neighbors, our serving our church, our serving our community, we can't do it well unless we trust. There's a parable that Jesus shares about a, a farmer who goes out, and it's not, it's not an instruction on how to do a farm because this farmer, he, he takes his good seed and just scatters it everywhere. Good soil, great. Rocks, great. Thorns, great. Just scatters it. It's a picture of how God shares his gospel indiscriminately across humanity. But in the midst of that parable, Jesus, he explores the kind of hearts that receive that gospel. Some hearts receive that gospel with great joy. They hear about God and it's great joy. Oh, like let me serve you right now. Here I am. But when that trust isn't developed, when there isn't that depth of relationship, when the hardships come, what happens? It's with it. With it. When the hardships come, we stop looking at our neighbor. We start, we stop looking at our church. We stop looking at our friends and family. We just think, well, I need to take care of me now. That I'm alone here. You cannot serve God well unless you trust God well. It matters. It matters that we trust God in order to serve well. It's been quite some time since I finished seminary. But there was... There was a time when I was balancing not just ministry, uh, but also a part-time job and study—full-time study, half-time ministry, half-time job—not enough of me. <laughs> and in that season, one of our uh, one of, one of my fellow students came up to me and said, "Dave, I need you to help me study for this exam." And you know that feeling when you just you feel like you're barely keeping your head above water, and I can't swim, so this really is important to me. Like, that doesn't keep me from like jumping into the water when I sw- uh, fish. By the way, my wife is always like, "Why?" Like earlier this year, I, I was walking between rocks, and this is sorry, I'm going off, but I was walking between rocks, and I thought there was sand there, and I stepped in, and <laughs> could have been carried away, but. I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell my wife these stories, but I always do. And her two questions are, why do you keep fishing when you don't know how to swim? And two, why do you keep telling me this? Are you trying to make me anxious? But yeah, like, all of these responsibilities, water right up to your neck, and someone comes along and says, will you help me? And what it feels like is they're going, throwing waves at you. You're like, stop, dude. Figure it out yourself. I'm out of my element right now. I don't have it. That's a picture of what we feel like when we don't think God is with us. As if his arm is not anything of support. I said no. I said no. I was like, no, man, I can't. I just have too much on my plate. I can't help you. Hours later, by the grace of God. I was sitting there and the Lord was convicting me. You know that feeling? When you're just like, oh, I think I did something that I wasn't, I don't think that's what the Lord wanted me to say. And I started reciting to the Lord, all those reasons. Like, Sorry, Lord, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I just, I need to work. I need, I have all of these responsibilities. What do you want me to do? It's, and then you realize he's saying, "Yeah, but where am I in that picture?" Fine, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tell him. Okay, I'll help you. And I did. And here's here's what happened. In helping this fellow brother learn the material, I saw the areas in the material that I didn't fully understand. You know, what I'm, you know, you know what I'm talking about like you you don't know the thing until you can teach it. And so, as I was teaching, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. It shored up my understanding as well. And the Lord took care of all of it. Now, if you ask me now to help in that time of need, that experience has developed my trust, has it not? So that if that... If that kind of scenario arises again, I'll be able to say, actually, I've been here before. I know that my God and Father will be there. He'll help me through this. So yeah, I will step out of my comfort. I will help you. Because that process has moved along. And each of us as disciples, we take one step at a time. And each step that we take, the chance to develop that trust. we trust in order to serve, and as we serve, we learn to trust. And as we trust, we serve. let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we step out into our lives, there is so much reason to be anxious at times. But Lord, we give we pray that you would give us the greater reason to find peace and assurance in you. That our world is never absent of your presence, power, wisdom, and love. That you are our Father. Father, we pray for that peace that leads us to work, to seek the kingdom, to invest our lives in the lives of our community, our church, our family and friends. Father, we pray that you would give us these wonderful testimonies of us stepping out and seeing you carry us through your last provision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.